Hi there. Welcome to Serenity Wellness Podcast, episode 73, The Dark Side of Emotional Intelligence and Tools for Self-Protection. As always, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate each and every one of you. And if you're new here, my name is Nicole White. I'm an integrated mental health and energy therapist and happy to be here to share wellness with you. Recently, about a week or two ago, I was a guest teacher for a grad class. It was for students who were studying leadership management. And the class itself was on emotional intelligence. I was there to talk about somatic experiencing of emotion, but as we were getting ready to start the class, I was talking a little with the professor and I noticed the title of the class. And in the title, it included the dark side of emotional intelligence. I was so happy to see that that was being covered in the class. I don't know what all capacity it was covered or what areas were covered in the class. Because again, I was there to talk about somatic experiencing and I was actually there also at the last class of the semester. So I don't know what all was included in the discussion around it, but it prompted me to make it the title of my next podcast because it's such an important area. And I thought also it was a good segue from what I just talked about around forgiveness and what that can create with emotion and the buildup and the barriers and all the other health stuff that I had mentioned. Because this dark side of emotional intelligence also has a lot to do with all those things. It has to do with our health, our well-being, physical being, emotional being, mental being, spiritual being, the energetic part of our being, It's all tied in. You can think about it as a web system, all connected together. Today, I'm going to cover three aspects around the dark side of emotional intelligence, what actually makes it important to even understand this, and some tools to get you started so that you can kind of maybe move away from some of what I'm going to share with you today. We're all in our own place around emotional intelligence, emotional understanding, whatever language you want to have. It's most commonly referred to as emotional intelligence, but our understanding, our experience, that's that somatic piece as well. So the body's experience of the emotions that we have and how we move through it, how we regulate it, how we maybe disconnect from it how we experience and understand it through our process and maybe even what we have witnessed around us. And all of us are different in what that looks like. Some of us might work really hard at avoiding it altogether. We may have created some really deep patterns, a lot of training for ourselves, the mind-body training to emotionally numb out. Some of us might be in the middle ground somewhere where we're working through the fuzzies, we're working through the hard stuff, we're working through the joys and even collecting that part of emotion. You know, sometimes we even push away joy. So we might be like somewhere in the middle and in the middle, we recognize too, it's up, it's down, it's inside, outside. It's all over the place. Kind of reminds me of a book I used to read as a child, Inside, Outside upside down. And I feel like I need to read it again, because maybe it's a reading it from an adult mind, probably talking about that, how our life is inside, outside, upside down. I think it was a Dr. Seuss book. And then there's the other aspect. 
And this aspect is one of the parts I want to talk about in terms of the dark side of emotional intelligence. This is where an individual is really skilled. They are a scholar student, if you would, of learning emotional intelligence, learning it maybe even more from outside external perspective than internal self perspective. So they may be very skilled at picking up on nonverbals from other people. They can even sense little energy shifts of emotion change. You know, when we have emotion change or even thought change, we can have a subtle energy shift. They can even be skilled at honing in on areas where they can shift and move the person away from their own self, which I'll explain here in just a moment. But the way they move through this is often about personal gain, something they're going to get out of this experience of the deep understanding of emotional intelligence. And there are a few different real big ways that people do this. And I want to cover them and I'm really going to try not to get too in depth or too off topic, but I want to cover them in a way that I feel like I'm at least giving you a good grounding of understanding because it is, it's so important. The only way to protect ourselves from this darker side of emotional intelligence is to gain the knowledge. It's really fundamentally important for us to have knowledge and understanding so that we can tune in and be aware of what's going on inside of us and outside of us. When we're in a connection or communication with someone who is in this high emotional intelligence for personal gain, this is where they might kind of talk in a bit of circles you might start a conversation in a certain direction and no matter how hard you keep trying to maybe share your opinion, share your thoughts or feelings about a situation, or even try to establish a boundary, somehow you just keep landing back at the beginning. It's like this circuitous situation, but you're not finding that you're really in the circle of participation. Like you're, you're trying and then it just, you keep landing back at the same place. So it's like a discounting and disrespect almost. And I kind of even want to take away the word almost, but I guess the almost can be there sometimes. Sometimes it's not even an almost. Sometimes it's just like a bulldozing over. And in it, it can create this sense of fogginess, confusion, over time, it's like a wearing down. If water were to run over the same rock over and over and over again, they'll be wearing down of the rock. You know, you'll see a little bit of a wearing down pattern. Or it's like tools that people would build back in the day. If you've ever found, I wish I had some with me right now. My mom on uh, her property would find tons and tons of arrowheads long story, side story of their property that I'm not going to digress on right here, but the arrowheads that she had found over the years when she lived on that property and think of the hands that created it. Yeah, tools as well, but some are like just the rubbing of the fingers over time to create wear down of structure 
or how, you know, if somebody's poking you, poking you, poking you, poking you on the same spot over and over, you're going to get a bruise type of thing. The repetitive nature, the wearing down, you get the point, right? I'm trying to think of other examples, but I'm trying to keep this episode short somehow. So this wearing down over time, and it creates a fog, confusion, a lost sense of self. And in it, there's often this slick nature of plugging in their agenda. But when they're plugging it in, they're making it sound like it's your plan and your agenda, and you really want to do this. And then all of a sudden you are the doer, but it was never your plan or never your agenda. And then you find that they're actually the one that's like reaping the benefit of it. And you're the laborer doing all the kind of work. And suddenly sometimes then we just like, whoa, kind of snap out of it. The fog has cleared and we're like, where am I? Wait, what am I doing? What have I been doing the past blank, 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 so many months, sometimes so many years for people. So it's like this slow wearing down and it's built off of emotional intelligence. They're able to cue in, to hone in on these subtle little changes. They have a way of understanding personalities and subtle shifts in personality differences. So they can move from saying and doing things in this one way over here to get person A to feed into this plan based off of that person's personality, this emotional intelligence, what they could pick up on non-verbally. And then they will also get the person to share information at times as well. So they'll try to create like vulnerable, safe space so that they can learn emotional vulnerability aspects of the person and then twist it and use it against them later. I know this sounds so uh, like not warm to the heart space, but this is reality. And it's sometimes how people decide to move through life. Whether it's a subconscious, they're moving through life this way, or a conscious moving through life this way, you on the receiving end, owe it to yourself to gain the tools and the knowledge to make the decision if you want to step in this cloud or you know move into back into designing your life the way that you would like it. So it's a slow wear down. They know how to tune in. They know how to use nonverbals. They know how to use energy shifts. They know how to use vulnerable information that you share so that they can kind of create cycles in responses with you. And then as a receiver of it, we can lose a sense of self. We can find ourselves confused. We can find ourselves saying yeses and even redesigning our whole life around something that was not even a part of what we wanted or even desired for ourselves. This can fall into several different categories of life you might you know, find this type of connection with. It can be like a leech type of experience. You feel like almost like a leech is attached to you. And one part can be mentally, physically, even the emotional heaviness that it can create, but also finances. People can kind of do this in a way so that they're gaining or getting financial gain off of others, you know, a leeching 
type of system. And it's almost like you're suddenly in a massive maze. And just when you think you found the exit, it was trickery. There's actually no exit anywhere in sight. Individuals who use more of the darker side of emotional intelligence are going to also be more prone to be in those connection styles like the feeder connection, which uses that jealousy looping or the calculated connector. And that's going to use more of the pusher looping, not across the board by any means, but a little bit more tendency to be in that type of connection style. And again, it's uh, almost like a cloud will lift. It's like sometimes you just kind of wake up and you're like, whoa, what the, how, what, where have I been? What have I been doing? And, you know, what aspects of myself have I lost? I don't even know because they're so lost type of thing. This can also go outside of interpersonal relationships. Put whatever words, sadly, unfortunately, there's a lot of strong language that can be around this situation that I'm going to talk about here. But there are individuals who can be in positions that are presented as safe, and they're not. Mental health is one of them. As a mental health therapist, we have a code of ethics that there are no relationships with clients, no relationships with clients, anyone they know personally, anyone that they were intertwined with on a personal level, even if that connection has now ended. If you find yourself with a mental health therapist who is blurring boundaries all over the place and there is cross-relationship happening, I advise you to consider finding a different therapist. We hold ethical boundaries for a reason. We hold the most vulnerable space for clients. I know things about my clients that maybe the people closest to them don't even know. We talk about the deepest things of their soul in discovery and healing. And if there is any blurred boundary there, how is that a therapeutic situation for anyone? And sadly, in the field of mental health therapy, there are therapists out there who are more in alignment with the dark side of emotional intelligence. There's story after story of therapists losing their license and some incarcerated due to having sexual relationships with their clients or putting clients in harm due to the ways that they practice therapy. Therapy is an amazing tool I highly encourage everyone to participate in therapy in one form or another because it's a great way of having support and helping in self-discovery. Make sure that you know the credentials of the individuals that you are working with. Get recommendations from people. There's also the area of organized religion. Time and time again, we hear stories of clergy you know, the Catholic church and what we have witnessed in understanding the things we are still unfolding about these, you know, situations. I'm not going to talk much about it on here because it's just not the place for it, but we know. 
you know, it's all over the news. It's not a secret, you know, of individuals in power who are trying to create a safe space, even under the name of something such as God, to take advantage of and abuse people, children, dark energy, the dark side of emotional intelligence. But there is also a real fine line between the practice of dark and light energy. There are countless stories of spiritual gatherings that turn into abusive settings. I love yoga. I'm a yoga teacher, but pretty much every form of yoga that was founded, if you go back, the founder is charged with or on the run or currently incarcerated for sexual violations. Individuals who are creating false safe spaces for people to move into vulnerability so they can take advantage of it for personal gain. Sometimes it's far beyond financial. It's like a feeding off of the soul of another. And individuals who practice energy therapy, they know how to do that. Know the individuals you're working with or who you are opening up your energy body to allow yourself to be in that type of vulnerable space. It makes a difference and it's really important. When someone is working on your energy body, you know, it is opening up a portal and this fine line between where people can go with that is very much about feeding ego and feeding self. So as I said before, our awareness, our individual awareness, our individual knowledge around this is the most important thing. This is the key to helping you learn about the relationships, the connections, the choices of who you are bringing into your life, because it impacts then how you're moving through life. This isn't about controlling everything. It's about gaining awareness and being with self so that you can start to have emotional awareness around what that looks like but also beginning to experience felt sense, what that inner sense of awareness is in guiding you. Because both are intricately a part of the whole system that is there to guide you, to help you, and to create the you that is fundamentally there within. And sitting with self and being with self, acknowledging ourself is an important piece of that and using that lens of compassionate curiosity when we do so. Here's some tools to help you in moving through this. As I mentioned, awareness is key. I know I say that in a lot of episodes, but it's just so profoundly important. So one is being aware of some of these things that I've talked about and noticing if someone is not respecting your boundaries. Notice if you keep getting pulled back into that circuitous situation and communication that you're like, wait, like, is this person even allowing me to speak? Are they having any respect for what I'm saying? Are they having any desire to even look at the boundaries that I'm putting out here? Or is it just the opposite? Think about the idea of wealth, 
wealth is beyond finance, personal value, personal worth. And is this connection or these connections in alignment with feeding and watering that part of yourself? Or is it depleting like a dry desert and, you know, getting bulldozed over and not being respected? Sitting with and acknowledging our emotions is a big part of this because the more we know our emotions, the more we connect with the internal emotional awareness, then the more we're going to know and understand what's going on around us, what these connections are looking like and feeling like, because that fog that can happen to get out of the fog, we have to, to be with self and to be aware of the experience of what's happening in the moments that we are with self. The first thing I can offer you to gain more emotional intelligence is a free wellness course, Gardening Your Soul. You can find that on Serenity Wellness Tools on YouTube, or you can also hop over to serenitywellnesstools.com and you'll find the course dashboard on my website. That's a four-week course that includes tons of information and tools all about emotional intelligence. And here are some other things to get you started in the meantime. You want to have you know, maybe five tools ready for yourself for when you're trying to sit with and work through emotion. And this can be anything. It could be having a person to talk with. It could be going for a walk, being in nature, using music, whether you're singing, you're dancing, you're playing, you're creating music. It can be cooking, gardening, tinkering with something, working on a project, playing with your animals, what, whatever it is, just have five things that you know that you can use to help when emotions are moving up as you're working through them. It's going to give you then more of this feeling of grounded safety and recognition that this is a skill building training that you're offering yourself. And knowing that if it feels too much, you have quick readiness that you can go to of what might help to regulate. That reminder of five senses is always a, a great thing that you can have with you. So use of your five senses, the best that you have ability to use them. I know some people might not have all five senses. So whatever senses you have to use, just regrounding yourself, even getting a trinket of some sort. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just mess with like my ring or something just to reground, recenter in the moment. Or there used to be, not used to be, I mean, they still exist. I don't know if they were ever sold. I don't know. Anyway, there were these and are these things like a worry rock where people would like rub a rock as a, I guess maybe they have like fidget things now is what people use more, I guess. Setting aside that time, kind of how I talked about the last episode, giving yourself like five minutes a day to just sit with self, to just be with self. We can't understand ourselves if we're not hanging out with ourselves. It just doesn't work that way. And start low. Don't start with something really high. Start with a lower emotion and have small, fine attunements that go with it because it's a whole system. Sometimes people think they're just ignoring an emotion, like one emotion. But even if that is the case, you're still not respecting all emotions because all emotions are a system. So by ignoring any or all or one or three, it is not respecting all emotions and using the full system. It is, you know, like a car. If you take a spark plug out of the car, it's not gonna start. 
if you run the oil out of the car, the engine will seize. I know that from my first car when I got when I was 16. I'm so excited, just driving all over the place. And my, my engine seized up because apparently there was an oil situation with the car. I don't remember a lot of it other than that, that my oil seized or my engine seized because I ran out of oil. It was a whole situation. But anyway, won't digress. Point being, emotions, whole system, taking one piece out of the system is going to potentially break down the system. It's like building a house on a crap foundation. Well, the house is going to crumble. It's a plant getting root rot. The plant is going to die. A tree having damage over a long period of time will fall down or need to be cut down. I just had to had this beautiful maple tree outside my office window that was full of life. So many birds and little squirrels and I had to cut it down. It had damage and it was getting really, really large to the point that it was probably going to end up damaging my home over time. And it just needed to be removed. And I was kind of sad about the situation, not going to lie. But now that it's removed, I'm like, wow, look at all this space. Look at all this sunlight that has now come through and everything around it, even in the ecosystem is probably really grateful because it was pretty damaged and it was probably causing even hardship on the tree itself. In all of it, our willingness to be with our emotions it can also feel like the dark side of emotional intelligence. As I had said a bit ago, those you know people who are finding themselves in the middle somewhere that are really kind of working through emotion for healing and wellness and how the awareness that it's like inside, outside, upside down, all over the place. It's not this grand, easy experience sometimes, but it's the dedication and the willingness to work through and understand self. And this is a big difference between that other part of the dark side of emotional intelligence I was just mentioning and talking about, because this is that fundamental piece of how do we protect ourselves from other situations that might not be in good intended energy, or even if it's a subconscious situation that they're not intending harm, the harm is still being caused. And how do we protect ourselves? We gain more and more emotional intelligence. How do we do that? We have to be with ourselves. I assure you, I promise you, I've been working in mental health for 20 some years, I don't know, 25 years or so. You cannot gain emotional intelligence without experiencing and being with your emotions. You cannot run a marathon without ever running, right? Like you're not going to just never run in your life and go out and run a 10K. You're not going to go and be able to do a bunch of backflips as a gymnast if you've never even done a backbend. Our mind is trainable, our bodies, our emotions, it's all trainable. Nothing is stagnant and stuck, even if it feels like it is. So the dedication, the willingness, gain your support, whatever it means for you, we're all different. 
but giving yourself the space, the permission, the safety to do this is fundamental for how you can then notice how you're connecting with other individuals and how other individuals are connecting with you. There's a full range of what this would look like and feel like and be like for each of us. It has to do with our past history. It has to do with habits that we've created around our emotions, avoidance cycles we've had, maybe fears even around it. But every moment is an opportunity to learn and to move through something and to something different. Taking it slow and steady. Another way that you can gain emotional understanding and your experience with emotions is through watching a movie that brings up certain emotion for you or listening to a song that brings up certain emotion and an experience of emotion for you. You want to go low level when it comes to something that is going to sync with a personal experience. And then you can start to magnify where you go with emotion as you gain more comfort and security within the situation. It's gaining trust. A lot of times we might have fear around our emotional experience because we just don't trust that we're going to be okay. So practice at low levels, gaining more comfort, more trust, security, and safety. And then it's going to let you create more of that, that place that you can hold for yourself to know that it's okay to continue to experience other emotions. And then that's going to create that foundation. It's going to create the deep rooting system of not getting root rot, you know, not having to have the tree cut down. If you are working through communicating emotions with another, being out in nature and especially walking can be very helpful. It kind of creates a little bit more of stability in the body, a little bit more ease in the communication of the emotion. So if communicating emotion is a really challenging thing for you, then you might incorporate walking or being outside in nature, sitting by running water by like a creek or something like that can be helpful. So think about setting, you know, think about setting and what is going to align for you in the proper setting to create safety and vulnerability, whether it be you're doing this with yourself as an individual exploration to gain emotional awareness, or you have some awareness and you would like to work on communicating that awareness that you've gained with another person and how can you set this setting up in a way that's going to align for comfort. You know, if you think of this sharing of emotion and you're out in a space walking and sharing about maybe a difficult emotional experience or a difficult emotion that you want to share with the person versus if you are in a closed space, a tiny room, maybe you have, you know, you're kind of backed in the corner type of thing. And that isn't going to create the most safe setting. It's like, you know, as a therapist, I'm virtual now, but when I used to be in an office, you know, there's design methods that we have to be aware of, of how we design our office, depending, you know, upon the setting that we're working in, where we don't want to back ourselves in a corner. And we don't want a client to feel backed in a corner when the whole room is about emotional sharing. So create a space for you that's going to feel right, that's going to feel safe. Because as I mentioned, we might have also been in situations that we thought were safe and only to find out later that 
you know, someone did not have safe interests in mind in terms of the treatment they had towards us. And when individuals who are in these places or positions where they are presenting themselves to have this space of safety, and when they cross over into more of this darker side of things, this darker side of emotional intelligence is a piece of even these other areas that I mentioned, you know, clergy, spiritual, energy therapy, it's this fine line and the fine line of going over into more of the dark energy of things can seem very tantalizing to people because it feeds ego. But it's again, another example of the importance of individual self-awareness. If we are training ourselves in awareness, then we are able to understand more clearly and see through the fog so that we can identify what's actually right in front of us. So we can see what is happening and not be in a state of confused mind or, you know, the flipping back to maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just this, maybe I'm just that. It's this, the felt sense of things, as I was saying about how, you know, training ourselves and understanding ourselves and that felt sense, and I'll link an episode below that I talk more about that, but that radar internally that guides us to let us know, does this seem right? Does this feel right to me? Is your biggest beacon and guide to awareness and being able to trust what we feel there. A lot of times people will discount their own knowing. They'll discount their own awareness. So they'll have the felt sense, the internal hmm, kind of gut feeling that something just isn't right. And they might not have a cognitive ability to put it into words because maybe there's nothing like there that they can identify specifically, but they just know something isn't feeling on here. And then they talk themselves out of it. Like, oh, that's probably just my anxiety or, oh, I'm just too sensitive or I'm too emotional or I over-exaggerate all the twos that we're told. I'm like so over it, people. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, you know, you're too this, you're too that, you're, you're not too anything. You're right where you need to be wherever that happens to be. And you'll land yourself in the place of balance that is right for you, not right for anyone else. So just keep that in mind. People throw in all these, you're to this, to that. You're not to anything. And that is part of like what guides us sometimes to discount our own awareness, especially when it comes to felt sense, because it's just a sense. It's just a feeling. And we're so whatever that we feel like we have to have the concrete like this is it and this is how I know and these are like my five checkpoint things and how I know and let me just ignore my own knowing and our own knowing is so key to awareness it's like when I train uh Reiki students and when we get to the level that they start giving sessions to other people you know it's usually like sessions with another student and then they flip and how often when working on the energy body, you, it's like the body communicates with you is the best way to describe it without getting in a whole thing about Reiki, but for energy therapy, but it's like the, you can feel 
vibrational changes when you're working on someone's body. You can feel temperature changes, like it will go from hot to cold. You can feel almost like a string that's connecting to the palm of your hand and different parts of their body, among many other things. But it's these subtle feelings that you can get uh, through your hands and through conscious awareness that comes through. I don't want to digress. And I feel like I'm really digressing here. But the point being that when I'm training students and they're experiencing all this stuff for the first time, they will go really right into discounting. Like, no, I couldn't have really felt that. Like, "Mm, there must have been a wind that went by or I just made that up in my mind, you know, because sometimes you can get a visualization in your mind of what's going on in the body or like if they have shoulder pain and you're working on that area, suddenly you have shoulder pain kind of thing until it eases and what you're working on. It's so hard to describe in this little thing here, but they will discount it until they start getting feedback from the person that they're working on, that they start talking about their experience they had on the table. And then the practitioner is like, oh, wow. Okay. That is actually what I was feeling. And then you start to gain the trust. You start to gain the confidence. So you're your own inner guide here. And the way that you build that confidence is through witnessing, noticing, this is what I'm feeling, experiencing. And let me now look at reality, reality, right? Not perception of what we want it to be, the reality in front of us. What do I see? What do I feel? And let me pay attention there. I remember my daughter was nine. I've mentioned many times I am what I consider myself to be a recovering Catholic. And I don't mean that offensively to individuals who still practice Catholicism, but I've mentioned how I do not practice that any longer, but I was raised Catholic and I raised my daughter for a bit of time also within Catholicism because it was like so ingrained in me that like, oh, you need to get these things, these commandments and this, that, and the other, because it's what you're supposed to do. And she was nine at the time. And we were going to a church where I live now uh, for an extended period of time. So people who live where I live are probably well aware of the story as well. I'm not going to mention the priest's name, but we were going to this Catholic church locally and for a few years. And at nine, you can't receive communion. But, you know, my daughter would come up with me if you're not Catholic, it's this whole thing. You get like a piece of bread and a thing of wine and you go up to the priest and you say something and he says something and then you get it. It's the body and blood of Christ and all that kind of stuff. So she would come up with me. And after a period of time of doing this, you know, each week, this repetitive hypnotic cycle we're in, in organized religion, sometimes she brought up that she felt really uncomfortable with this one priest. I will say that my daughter's been super tapped into energy awareness around us. And she's a small child, kind of how I was as well. If you listen to episode one, I talk about my most significant kind of early memory in fourth grade, but she has always also been kind of really tapped in and tuned in to awareness of others and energy and things like that. And 
she said about this priest and mind you, she's side note was never alone with any priests. I feel like I have to say that sadly, given the circumstance. Uh, and I asked her a little bit about it. You know, is there anything, you know, particular that was making her uncomfortable? And she just said, no, he just, every time we go up there, I just feel really uncomfortable, like right when we're in front of him. And I, at the same time was noticing just some like behavior stuff. Like he never gave us eye contact at all when we would be in front of him and would almost like posture himself away. Cause right. He's up there representing Christ. He's giving the body and blood of Christ in the situation in the Catholic church. Well, a few years later, we left that church shortly after that, but a few years later, he was one of the many priests who was found to be abusing, sexually abusing children. And never along the way was my conversation with my daughter about discounting the way she felt like, oh no, you're not really feeling that, or he's fine. You know, you're just this, that, or the other, or to this, that, or the other. That's like blocking, blocking. It's what we do to children all the time. We block down their ability to know what's around them. And what a perfect example of felt sense. Like she just knew, she didn't know, she couldn't even put into words what she knew she knew, but she just knew in his presence and witnessing and watching and observing him because she was like tagging along with me, right? So she's just like the little kid observing, watching everybody. And after a few times, she was really cued in to what he was kind of um, vibrating out there in his false representation of being Christ-like in that moment while he's obviously not living in that way when he's abusing children. So felt sense, we were born with it. Yes, you too, all of us, all of us were born with it. We all have these abilities, these secondary senses. We have far beyond five senses. I know I'm holding up 10 fingers, but we have more than 10. So there we go. We have, last time I checked, you know, I think it was like 17. And that was quite a few years ago. We have a multitude of senses beyond what you've been taught. And they are beneficial and they are useful. And they've been shut down for many of us since we were small children, but they're there, they're alive, you were born with it. So pay attention to your felt sense. Love it, know it. It's there to help you. Beyond even the feeding of the ego and uh, some of the really harmful and malice ways that individuals will get into this darker side of emotional intelligence, one other just little key thing I want to throw in here of awareness is sometimes people within this realm of high emotional intelligence for personal gain can be, they're kind of, they're called emotional vampires uh, is the best way to put it. Uh, and what it's kind of termed as, but they're also really skilled at doing that, like kind of, sorry, I just hit a plant if you heard a noise there, but uh, sucking the, the energy out of others, like the emotional energy. And so you might leave that space with that person feeling really exhausted, like you have no energy anymore. Um just know people do that and they know what they're doing when they do. So be mindful of the company you keep and recognizing that over time, these things are going to begin to shift and create fundamental changes. 
So that's where you can start to then notice on the outskirts, even through felt sense, through the way the body feels with emotion, it changes these other fundamental tuning in of the body, if you would. And you don't have to cognitively be able to conceptualize or understand this aspect, it's still happening. And in it, then we might start noticing more of the synchronicities in our life. We might start thinking about something and then suddenly the plan gets played out. Those little taps on the shoulder to remind us that we're on the right path instead of bushwhacking our way through. And the more we slow down and the more we tune in and the more we heal, then we're opening up the space. We're opening up the room for those things to be more in our optical awareness, as I had mentioned in that episode back, whatever one that was. We, we are tuned in, we're into the frequency, we're in the radio station, it's around us all the time. We could tune in at any time, but where are we tuned in instead? And once we are tuned in, we notice that these things are all around. And then we can start to really move more in alignment with them and start to cultivate more of that. Some of the side effects of this, one big one is you might start noticing differences in relationships and connections in your life. And that can be hard for people. As we gain more awareness, more emotional intelligence within self, it means that we're actually getting more in tune with ourselves. And in that process, we're offering ourselves some healing. That clears that fog. It snaps us back into like, what, wait, what, what am I doing here? Hold on a second. So in it, you might start recognizing individuals who are not respecting your boundaries, who are not respecting your communication and recognizing that for your own personal worth and value, that it's important for you to change some of those connections to establish healthy boundaries boundaries are not selfish. And if someone is not willing to respect your boundaries, then that might mean you have to create a thicker boundary or even, you know, uh, sorry, this isn't working out for us to even connect anymore type of boundary. You can start to ask yourself, you know, am I moving through in ways that are part of my personal plan or someone else's agenda? And what does that mean for me? Be mindful of the company that you keep because it matters in more ways than you might realize. There is that episode, Boundaries Are Not Selfish, if you need some tools there to help you to establish boundaries. Another side effect here is that your creativity might really kind of take off. And it's because healing's going on in the body. You're aligning more with yourself, which means that you're tapping more into soul, voice, soul, vibration however you want to call it, whatever resonates for you. But you're also clearing energy body stuff. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but our sacral area below our belly button, two inches below, carries all of our emotion stuff, anxiety, depression, trauma, et cetera. So as we're working through some of that, we're clearing some of that space there. And that's also where our intimate connection energy lies, our intuition and our creativity. Emotions are around creativity. Think of how creativity 
when you've been in a vibe of creativity, how you probably have an emotional experience around it. So it's opening up. It is allowing the space because we have to be available for ourselves in order for us to cultivate the true nature of what we're trying to cultivate in our lives. No matter how much you might have been in something and no matter how long you have maybe been moving away from emotional intelligence, remember you are your biggest asset. And the dark side of emotional intelligence is a thing. And what better gift to give yourself than the knowledge for you to filter out those types of connections and relationships in your life so that you can bring more light into your own being. Thank you so much for sharing space with me. I hope you found that information helpful and I'll see you again real soon. Have a good one.